Today I want to start off with um, baking. I, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty good at baking. Uh, <laughs> I made these two cheesecakes here. This one on the right here is a, called grasshopper cake. Um, no grasshoppers in it, but um, still very tasty. Uh, another, I made this custard square. Um, that was easier than I thought it would be to make uh, from scratch. And I made these blueberry muffins. Mm. I hope you had breakfast this morning. Yeah, sorry. Um, and the thing with baking I've learned is very different from cooking. Uh, cooking is like an art. You can add a bit of this, add a bit of that, and it's, it's all good. Baking is a science. There's steps to follow, there's rules, and I'm really good at following rules, so the, uh, the baking turns out pretty good. But not everyone is great at following rules. I found a recipe online for homemade peach ice cream. Mmm, yum. And there's a, a lady, I don't know who this person is, but she's made this recipe and she's left a little review for other people um, to read. And Jessica says this on peach ice cream. She says, I don't like peaches. So I substituted carrots. <laughs> she goes on. <coughs> It wasn't very good, it needs more sweetness. But the thing I love the most is three stars. <laughs> three stars for carroty ice cream. And today, uh, today we're in part two of our series called Wholehearted, uh, and we are talking all about obedience. Um, last week, Denny taught on wholehearted love, so if you missed that, definitely go back and check it out on our website or our YouTube channel. Um, today we're talking about obedience, and Jessica didn't obey the recipe, and it left a sour taste in her mouth. And so today we're going to explore the relationship between that we have with God's Word, um, with God Himself, and obedience. So our passage today comes from the longest chapter in the whole Bible. We're looking at Psalm 119. So I hope you didn't have any plans after this. Um, <laughs> No, we're only going to look at eight verses today, and it's, it's, this psalm is all about the, the psalmist's devotion to the Word of God. He uses many words to describe um, God's commands, like laws, decrees, precepts, promises. And they all have a different meaning and nuance, but essentially these are the things that God asks us to do. The psalmist talks about his love for and desire to obey God's Word. So if you've got your Bible, um, pull it out or turn it on, and we will read it together. Psalm 119 says this, from 33. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn your heart toward your statutes and... Turn my heart towards your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servants so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, preserve my life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your words. I thank you for your commands and... 
Father, I just pray today that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would have for us today. We give you our time. Give you this time. Have your way, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the psalm, the sort of structure of this psalm talks about um, obedience and the sort of the challenges we find in obedience and then what I see is how we, um, how we do that and that's going to be our outline today. But it's helpful to know what we're talking about. So I've defined obedience as carrying out the commands of someone in authority. This is one of those things that obedience in itself, in and of itself, is not good or bad. It depends what we are obedient to. And so there are some good examples of obedience. Maybe uh, when we're driving in our cars, there are road rules that help us keep, keep us safe and get us from A to B. Or maybe if you're slightly younger, um, mum and dad tells you to eat your vegetables because they're good for you. That's good obedience. There's bad obedience, perhaps. Maybe at work, your boss asks you to do something oh, a bit grey, but on the edge, should you do it? And as a culture, I don't think we love obedience. If I took a little poll here and I asked you to raise your hand and said, if you love obedience, I don't think we would have many people. Because we have this high value on autonomy and personal freedom. And obedience can seem like it flies in the face of that. Like This association I kind of get is, oh, doing things that I don't really want to do. Obedience. But in our passage today, we see a very different perspective from the psalmist. He really expresses a genuine desire, I believe, to follow God's word, to follow his commands, and to do them. Not just now, but for the rest of his life. There's no hint of reluctance, or apprehension, or obligation. He isn't just trying to obey to avoid some kind of punishment, like cleaning your room because your mum asked you to. He wants to do the things God says to do. But what's that question we all love to ask? Why? Why does he do that? The psalmist deeply reveres God's word. And I think there's just a few things that we can see in this psalm about what, the, what he thinks, what the writer thinks about God's word. So I think in verse 105, we see this, it gives us guidance, it gives us instruction and wisdom for how to navigate life. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The word of God is a source of joy and delight. They are the joy of my heart. The word protects against sin and temptation. Verse 133 says, Direct my footsteps according to your word and let no sin rule over me. We see it gives eternal truth among the uncertainties of life. Verse 89 says, Your word is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. And it is our spiritual food. It provides sustenance and nourishment for our soul. Verse 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And we could go on and on and on. These are only just a few. And so the writer really wants to follow the words of God, but what does he start with? He, he starts with a request. He's praying to God, Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it. 
don't miss the power in this. Some, some commentators think this is David um, who wrote this. It's hard to know for sure. But whoever it was, there would have, there would have been prophets. There would have been wise men. There would have been priests um, available to go to. The person who wrote this likely would have been very well-versed in the law themselves. And yet, what is their go-to? God. He goes straight to the source. Job 30, 36 says, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? No one. No one is like God. And yet, how often do we go to the latest podcast, the latest YouTube series, the latest thought leader, and, and maybe God's word becomes a little bit of an afterthought? Can we, you know, we live in this information age with virtually endless amounts of content to consume. Some of it's good, some of it not so good. And I'm not saying to, like, delete your Spotify account or boycott your mana Christian store, but, <laughs> but don't do that. <laughs> but let's, let's put God's word in, in its rightful place at the top of the pecking order. Spending time in God's word is how we can learn from the greatest wisest, most knowledgeable teacher who ever was. Now, verses 33 and 34 make a point that could seem quite obvious, but I think it's worth pointing out. It says, give me understanding so that I may keep your law. You know, if you want to be obedient to follow God, you have to know what we are to be obedient to, what God is like and his desires. If you don't have the recipe with the ingredients and the steps, you are not able to make a delicious cake. Now, I don't often read the message, but I love how it phrases Ephesians 5.10. It says, figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. I love this, how straightforward that is. You know, and I think there's two key things we need to do in obedience. There's two steps that I've boiled it down to for you today. And I think those are, we have to figure out the content, and then we need to figure out the intent. The content is knowing the Bible, knowing God's commands. And the intent is then to, is do we trust the command or the command giver? Do we trust that God has our back, that he wants our good? that he is for us, or do we believe he is against us? We're going to dive into trust next week, so come back for that. Um, I won't talk too much to it now, but can I tell you, yes, God is trustworthy. We can trust his commands are for us. So let's return to the example of the ice cream in the beginning. I don't think Jessica trusted the author, the creator of the recipe, she didn't think, uh, <laughs> maybe she should have chosen a different recipe where the metaphor maybe breaks down. But, um, <laughs> but, but time and effort has gone into crafting the different, the sugars and cream. I've not made ice cream before. Um, <laughs> and so the other things that go into that um, to produce the desired outcome. And so... Are there areas of your life where you're not living up to what God would, would call you to? Is it a content issue? Is it an intent issue? 
The beautiful thing is that we can simply do what the psalmist has done here today, and we can offer these to God in prayer. We can say, Lord, please give me understanding. Help me to see your goodness or your character, or help me to know what it is that, we, that he desires of us. But let's carry on. There are some challenges, some challenges that our writer talks to. So we go to verse 36. It says, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain and turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. You know, isn't it true that the default position of our heart is away from the things of God? If we just let ourselves drift, I think we drift towards what we want and not um, what God wants. And, and see, there's another request here. He wants God's help to turn his his heart, his mind, his body away from the things of the world and towards the things of God. You know, we might agree, we have general consensus around that it's um, wrong to steal or it's a good to be kind and it's good to be generous. But I wonder if there's things that um, we're not so sure about. Maybe we, we think, oh, maybe that was for a different culture. Or maybe, God, you don't understand my life circumstances. You know, I've wondered for me personally around gluttony. Do we, don't we celebrate at Christmas time overindulging on food and drink to the point where we can't even move? We've got to undo the, the belt. Or do we play down the effects of greed and ambition at work that trumps, trumps God or... Maybe it's in issues of purity. We wondered, oh, is there really harm in looking with lust? Or, or does God really care about my thoughts? You know, I think we're a people uh, who experience FOMO, uh, the fear of missing out. And I wonder if we can be so worried that we're missing out on fulfillment or enjoyment or the good life that others are, are having and yet we've sung about it today, that God is holy. He's perfect. He's totally other. He's set apart. And the thing is, God calls us to be holy as well. We're meant to look different from people who don't worship God. And God's desire for obedience isn't to restrict us, isn't to kill the fun or bring down the joy. It's to multiply fun. It's to free us. It's to restore the joy. You see, God's obedience is for us. Obedience is for people. People aren't for obedience. Let's look at a car. So a car is designed to operate a certain way. If you have a car that needs petrol and you put diesel in it, then sure, you're free to do that. Um, but disobedience to the manufacturers doesn't result in freedom. It's not liberating. Or an, another car thing, if, which um, yeah, I can tell you from personal experience, is if you drive from uh, Island Bay to Porirua with a burst um, coolant valve, um, you just end up needing um, a tow. You brake the car and you end up stranded. You see, God created all things, he holds all things together, and he knows how all things interact. 
there is a way that we can live our lives that leads to joy, and there's a way that leads to heartache. And God is is a personal God who wants you to live in the joy and that fullness of life. And he invites us into a different way of living that's different from those natural tendencies in us. So we've talked about the what, and we've talked about the why of obedience. I want to turn our attention now to the how. But I've been, just before we get to that, I've been reading a book by um, the late, great Tim Keller, and I, yeah, it's, it's been oh, blowing my mind. But he talks about two pitfalls we have to understand. And um, we can kind of think of these two pitfalls as either side of a ridge line. God wants us to walk on the ridge and avoid the pitfalls. And the first one is legalism. Legalism is what we are to avoid. It's this, it's this view that um, we can earn our salvation. We can earn God's favor. We can um, work hard and get answer to our prayers through good works and obedience. It's problematic because it's all, all trying about, it's, it's trying to pray enough, it's trying to go to church enough, it's trying to um, avoid enough sin to earn God's favor, rather than relying on what Christ has done for us, God's grace, his unmerited favor. So that's, okay, that's legalism over here. On the other side of the, the cliff, we have license. License is this view that I'm saved by grace, so I can, do, I can do whatever I want. God doesn't, God just wants me to be me. He just wants me to live how I want to live. Because God has forgiven us, I can do whatever I want. Paul talks to this thinking in Romans. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. You see, both of these perspectives are problematic and incorrect because they both miss the point. They miss Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. We do not receive salvation from God from our obedience to God. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. Rather, obedience is a loving response to the salvation we have already received. You know, it could be easy to hear in a sermon that, I, that oh, I just need to muster up enough willpower, white knuckle, and, and, and just be obedient to God's commands. But we, we can't. We will never be good enough to live up to that standard. And we're not saved by our works. Hmm. The solution to one is not more of the other. So I don't want you to hear of it like a continuum either, that if I'm here, I need to jump over there because that is equally as dangerous. So what, what would God have us do? What's the, what's the key? Well, Tim Keller says it a lot better than I could. He says, obedience to God's law flowing out of gospel grace becomes a way to know, resemble, delight, and love the one who saved us at infinite cost to himself. It's the gospel. It's the grace. It's it's receiving what we 
didn't deserve. And if we, if we finish our passage today, it says, Fulfill your promise to your servant, and your righteousness preserve my life. The writer is asking for God's righteousness. He's not trying to conjure up enough righteousness of his own or right living. We see the psalmist asking for the promise to be fulfilled. Jesus Christ has fulfilled all of the promises in the Bible. Everything in the Old Testament and New Testament points to, hangs on, and is fulfilled by Christ. You know, the thing that's been, has really hit me is the same God who desires our obedience is the same God who, who knew we couldn't live up to that standard and sent his one and only son into the world. God made flesh and lived a perfect life lived a life of perfect obedience. But nothing I read suggests that his obedience, Jesus' obedience was reluctant. I think it was out of a place of knowing that he was loved by the Father that he joyfully wanted to enter into that obedience. Because he was perfect and without sin, it meant when he died on the cross, he paid the price that wasn't owed. He paid the price that you and I deserved. But he did that willingly. So that whoever comes to Christ turns from their old way of living and puts their hope, their faith, their trust in him is, is saved. Fully, freely, completely. That's it. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Christ raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And you know, if you don't know God, no amount of good behavior will be enough. We can never earn salvation in and of ourselves. That's why we need Christ. But if you do know God, then obedience is the way that we can know, love, and resemble, delight in the one who saved us. You see, obedience is for us, not us for obedience. And as we come into close, I just want us to imagine what our, what our lives would be like, what our minds would be like, what our workplaces would be like, what our homes would be like if we all lived in joyful obedience to God's commands. If we all um, just wondered what the next step of obedience it is for us. I sometimes wonder, at least for me, that if I, I overestimate my abilities and I set lofty goals that um, can't be achieved. But I've just been wondering, you know, what's the next step of obedience for me in that area? And then bring that to God. Ask him to give you understanding. Ask him to give you what you need to take that next step of obedience. So I'd just love us to, to consider a few things before we, before we wrap up. I wonder if you're, if you're over here and, and just as I've been speaking, there's been some areas in your life where you think, oh, am I, am I living a bit legalistically? Are there some things that I'm doing out of obligation that um, I really don't feel like doing, but I'm just sort of gritting my teeth? I wonder if you'd bring that to God and ask him to show you how you can do those things um, willingly and joyfully.
Or maybe you're over here. Maybe there's some areas of your life where um, you decided that's off limits for God. You decide, oh, yeah, I know, I know I probably shouldn't, but God, you don't understand that situation. Again, would we bring those to God and ask him to give us understanding? Would he guide us along the right paths? And I just wonder, maybe you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Christ for yourself. That invitation is open for you today to experience that um, that joy that comes from um, obedience to the Father. And we'd love to help you do that. You might want to talk to the person next to you about what that looks like, or you can come chat to one of us up the front. And maybe today is not the day for you, but can I um, give you a little challenge? Ephesians 5.10, we looked at it earlier, says figure out what the Lord desires and do it. And maybe test, test out what God says in an area in your life that maybe you see things differently and just see what happens. See what happens. But yeah, I'm going to pray, but I'd love to leave us with a question to ponder. And just what is, what's your next step of obedience today? Lord God, I thank you that you are good, you are loving, you are kind, you are merciful. I thank you that you reveal yourself as our good, good Father. And um, God, I pray that you would, um, yeah, just press on our lives, um, areas where we might be holding things back from you, um, areas where we're believing a lie. Yeah, God, I thank you that you um, are so gracious with us and you're so patient with us. Um, And I pray that we would just leave here with a a better understanding of who you are and um, that you desire that fullness of life, fullness of joy for every one of us here today. So God, we we thank you, we love you, we love your word and we just um, pray have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.